0: Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud. And today we are going to be talking about the full moon in Virgo 3. I am joined by my good friend, Jared, aka Mercurius George, making an a, a in-person visible appearance today. The, the, uh, the fellow behind the avatar is, is present. So how are you doing today, Jared?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk with you. Jared and I have been friends for uh, over a decade, which is, is pretty, it's kind of blowing my mind, uh, just thinking about it. Um,
1: yeah, I think 14 years, actually. 14 years. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. Fellow, fellow Midwesterners <laughs> like, or origin. So you're, where are you located now, my friend?
1: I live in Brooklyn, New York.
0: All right. So you're an astrologer slash artist that is, uh, you know, I think you, think guys, you, can, see. I think yeah, you can
1: see what I do. Oh, it's all around me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, Jared and I met in the music scene in Michigan um, quite a few years ago and uh, always really respected his, um, not only his artistic and musical ability, but his ability to um, contextualize myth and his exploration as far as some of the metaphysical things as well. I think that's actually where we connected on an even deeper level was being able to, to talk through mythology and explore the secrets of the universe so um this is hopefully just a continuation of talks we've been having for over a decade and a half now maybe right Yep. <laughs> so, yep. so now we, we
1: just have them publicly yeah
0: which is exciting this is super exciting <laughs> i've been bugging jared to get into astrology and and you know be doing more of this work and i really excited to see you know your your growth as far as that has gone and um He's got a great website, also. Uh, So I wanted to welcome people in the chat here, and then we'll talk a little bit more about Jared's um, services and all where you can find him and all that. So I'm welcoming some people here in in digital land today. Uh, Place of Stillness is joining us from Sweden. Hello, my friend. Taria T is here from Finland. We've got Erica uh, coming here from Chicago. Uh, Another Taria is here from Finland. We've got. Two taras, dueling Tarius today. Um, Andrea is here from Croatia. Hello, my friend. Lynn McMillan's dropping in from Vermont and Cooker Zilla is here from Mahone Bay. Very cool. All right. So, yeah, if you're joining us, make sure you let us know where you're stopping in from. If you have any questions over the course of our talk today, feel free to put it in the chat box and we will do our best to break it down into, um, you know, Interact with all of you. I always love the contributions from the the people that stop by. So, Jared, aka Mercurius George, um, tell us more about your journey with astrology and divination, and um, some of the things that you are uh, getting excited about recently, and where we can find all of your wonderful services.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I have this this silly moniker pseudonym that I use, Mercurius George, which really just started as a Twitter handle. Um, and it, it has become sort of more than I ever intended it to be. Um, but I've been interested in astrology since around the time I met you, which was, I think, 2007, 2008. And, you know, I've always had a kind of casual but enthusiastic interest and a sense that it has some sort of incredible power which i also have always felt i've always had mixed feelings about it's always been very sort of unsettling to me but so i I have a very divided um psyche in my relationship to sort of esoteric and mystical things um but usually the esoteric wins these battles um (laughs) is what i've found
0: after your uh, black panther experience right yeah so i just
1: lots of (laughs) lots of experiences that have pulled me further and and deeper into these worlds um sometimes despite my resistance um and you know uh i've always been lucky to have you as a guide um i think it's no surprise that i believe your jupiter is conjunct my ascendant it is exactly pretty much says it all um so and you know to be honest like You know, if I were on a different show or podcast or whatever and to introduce how I got into astrology, I'd have a different story. But since I'm talking to you, I mean, so much of it has been through you and having conversations with you and you like when whenever you discovered something new that you were excited about with astrology, we tended to talk about it. And so you know, that went on over the years, but particularly when you discovered Hellenistic astrology, Mm -hmm. you shared, you had, I've never seen anybody more enthusiastic and excited about anything than you were in that time period. And, um, it was very contagious. Um, and you know, you told me about the astrology podcast. I started listening to it. Um, and I just got, I just got pulled in. Um, and I started, taking classes with Austin Copic, um, started connecting with people online, which had already begun kind of, but I was, or I don't remember the timeline exactly, but I had just had so much going on in my head with astrology that I needed an outlet for it. And so I got on Twitter and I've since then become very connected with a lot of people through Twitter, right. um, which I really never expected. Um, and eventually I started doing readings. So all of this is a very long way of saying like, yes, hi, I'm a person, I do astrology and I do readings and uh, I'm available if you're interested. Um, I have, my practice is, prim, you know, like a lot of people, primarily rooted in traditional astrology, which is, can mean a lot of things. I guess I would say mostly Hellenistic, but not exclusively and not, uh, I don't draw any hard lines between traditions. Um, and yeah. You know, and of course, I've have soaked up all the stuff that I like from, you know, the the 20th century developments in psychological astrology. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's impossible for me to say that I'm not also a practitioner of psychological astrology because yeah. of course I am. Um, yeah, I
0: agree. I, I think that you know we keep talking on this channel about creating oracular space and. There's, there's many different ways to do that and it doesn't have to be, you know, kind of black or white. There's a lot of gray areas surrounding it as well, isn't there? Yeah. So, so Jared, where, where do we find you and your, your, um, readings and offerings?
1: Um, you can find me at my website, which is com. Since you're on YouTube, presumably you can see how that's spelled, uh, it's, it's a little different. I dropped the O from curious, so it looks like some weird Latin word. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find me there. Basically, at this point, my readings are one size fits all, which is to say entirely flexible to what it, whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, but, you know, really, I just do natal chart readings with transits incorporated as needed
0: someday someday i hope when these worlds get fully merged together we'll be able to shout out from the rooftops about your music too because yeah. jared currently, is currently
1: currently secret
0: <laughs> yeah there's we still have to keep a small air of mystery but i'll tell you for all of you out there this uh this gentleman in front of us today is a, an incredible musician and quite an, uh, an incredible um orchestral arranger as well i was Thank listening you. to one of your songs that you sent me about some of the themes we're going to talk about today with Pandora, and um, just some re- just really beautiful music. So we're we're in the presence of a really great artist, I think, and I, I just have a lot of respect for the work that you do in that that area as well. So
1: that means a lot. Yeah, me. thank you so much. And if you're if you're if you're dying of curiosity, feel free to like send me a message or something. I'm not I'm not that secretive. I just like keeping my my last name separate from my astrology um for various reasons yeah um mostly so that i can feel more liberated when i'm in this zone when i'm in this kind of um yeah when i'm engaging with this i don't i don't want to hold back sure that yeah, um, makes sense and, and yeah that's that's basically that's most of it
0: well check out uh Jared at MercuriusGeorge.com. There's a link to his website in the description of this video or in the description of the audio if you're listening later. And um, yeah, it's great to get a new perspective from different astrologers. And like I said, Jared is very um, detailed about the work that he does. We, we share a similar inspiration with Austin Kopic and his work as well. So um, highly, highly recommend. Um, So I have a few things coming up that I wanted to to speak to before we kind of dive in. Um, I have my Deccan's webinar um, of Aries coming up on April the 9th. So if you're curious about uh, Aries and some of the myths, the fixed stars, um, all of the themes associated with that, learning how to incorporate tarot into your astrological practice as well, there is a link in the description of this video and this podcast for the uh, decans of Aries. You can also sign up for a spring bundle, which includes Aries, Taurus and Gemini and save an extra 10 bucks off. Uh, I'm doing a special, an early bird special until the 1st of April, where you can use the coupon code ARIES20 and save 20% off e- off either the Aries decan or the spring bundle. Okay. And if, of course, I also do readings, transit readings, natal readings, all of those things, and if you're enjoying the detailed forecast here, um, I put just as much work into a reading, uh, if not more. So, uh,
1: <laughs> it's true. I see the notes. Yeah, the <laughs> notes are, are his notes. They're next level.
0: Um, but but I do that because I just feel such a great sense of responsibility to do to do good work and to help people. So um, you can find that at spencermichot.com under the Book Now button if you're interested in scheduling a reading with me as well. Okay, we've got the, uh, the business out of the way. One, one last thing I will say business-wise for all of you out there today. If you could do me a huge favor, make sure you hit the like button on this video. If you are new, please subscribe so we can uh, connect in that fashion. And if you want to make a material donation to the work that we're doing today, there are two ways that you can support the show. The first is there is a little dollar sign in the chat box called a super chat or a super sticker. And that is a donation that that helps me to do the research that I do and buys me the gift of time. You can also buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. And of course, booking a reading is another way to show your support. But other than that, I'm just happy that you're here today. And thank you for all your participations. We've got a few more people joining us. Azure is here from France. Hello, my friend. Aligning Light is here uh, from Illinois now, I think. Um, Claire, our friend Claire, is here. Uh, Amara Wiley is stopping in from New Jersey. Hello, Amara. Nice to see you. And Carol is joining us from New York City. So I'm glad to see we've got some familiar faces in the audience today. It's so good to be able to, to interact with all of you. All right, Jared, let's dive into it. Let's do it. Um, any big picture thoughts? Should we bring the chart up right away here? Just kind of take a I look
2: at
0: so. it okay so we're looking at the chart of the full moon in virgo 3 on march the 18th 2022 three seventeen a.m eastern daylight time i heard that they're they're thinking about permanently uh switching to daylight time what do you think Did about you? that i'm excited
1: i would i would approve of that that would do wonders for my my life and my mental health yeah I would be more of a morning person all of a sudden <laughs> right i mean if i didn't have to do the jostling back and forth that would right. be helpful right now i'm not a morning person
0: yeah i just don't care which one they pick just just pick one and let's stick yeah. with it <laughs> you know? like,
1: Yeah. well it, i've always felt like it's so irritating that they do ex- the opposite of what i want right you know standard time it would be fine if it was standard time during the summer but standard time during the winter yeah, it's that's true. Worst. <laughs> that's true. That's true.
0: All right. So, what do you what are you thinking uh, when you're taking a look at this this chart on Friday here?
1: Yeah. So, I think one of my first thoughts is I'm like, wow, look at that moon all by her lonesome right. in Virgo, and just everything in Pisces. It's it's pretty wild, um, especially with the dispositor of the moon being mercury Mm -hmm. in pisces but then mercury being present in you know co-present but in a in an applying conjunction to its ruler jupiter in pisces jupiter's in a place of of strength Um, that's positive that's positive so it what what it the biggest thing that it makes me think the biggest sort of story that i see when i look at this full moon is or the word that comes to me is surrender mm. um, you know the the moon is sort of shining you know quote-unquote shining a light or pulling our attention into into virgo themes but there's very little in the chart other than that moon that provides virgo capacity and capability <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the main thing it's just like well there's nothing in Virgo here, except the moon. Everything else is everything. You know, most, most relevant things are over in Pisces. Um, and so that's why for me, the word surrender comes to mind because it, first of all, because it feels like a, like a Pisces word. Um, and because, you know, the, the demands of a Virgo state of mind will be present um but the mercurial exactitude and um and capability of that of that variety will not be fully present and yet with mercury being so close to jupiter there is clearly a strength there it's just a very different kind of strength and it's it's so it's a it's a pretty complicated arrangement
0: yeah i agree um, i think that you're i think you're spot on with the surrender motif, um, that was something that came back again and again in my recent deep dive into Pisces. I, I just got done doing a webinar on Pisces. And there's a lot of themes of, you know, being able to co-create with the divine in a space before re- revelation. And I, I guess I would say that it, it, in relationship to the spring equinox, when you could see like the the, the little shoot. Of the plant above the ground like the reveal type of thing Mm -hmm. um and this kind of space of there being some flexibility and some malleability um by utilizing our our dream state our dream space um, coming to a point of acceptance i think that's another word we can talk about with this is Mm -hmm. figuring out what is possible and what isn't um in regards to acceptance and yeah it's a great point about mercury applying to jupiter because in at first blush, you would say, well, the, the, the host of the the moon, the dispositor is in really poor condition, you know, in, in its fall and its exile, but it's, it's making that applying, um, conjunction there to a really dignified Jupiter. So to me, it's, it's kind of allowing ourselves to have more of a Jupiterian consciousness than necessarily a Mercurial one. Um, yeah. Right, because Mer- like Mercury is not going to be functioning exactly the way that it would prefer. It's kind of playing by Jupiter's rules and Jupiter's rules are t- tend to be um, unifying, trying to bring order and peace rather than separating things into categories, um, not questioning as much. And just kind of like you were saying, like surrender and, and s- submission to to a higher purpose or to a, a higher power on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's important at this full moon, if I were just to add a few uh, big picture thoughts, I think we have to try to get in touch with the reality of our dream as much as, as is possible. Um, and I think that even though we're talking about surrendering and submitting, you might be able to save yourself a lot of headaches if, you're, if you are careful and meticulous about the details of the dream that you're trying to manifest right um so so jared we've got two two cards that are really sticking out with this with the tarot the sun being in pisces three has the 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 ten of cups which is a really like it's a it's a hopeful card it literally has a diamond associated with it um called elpis which is related to hope and we'll get to that in a minute but um it's really about this kind of temporary enchantment, this ethereal dream, but it's also a Mars Deccan, so it's 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 all about kind of like doing whatever it takes to, to achieve the, the, the perfect ideal happy vision, right? What do you think about that deccan and the and the sun being there and, and how can we navigate that territory gracefully?
1: Yeah. Um one thing I will say is that learning about Deccans has definitely like really deepened my understanding of of tarot. Um, particularly because if you trace the history of the images as you know Austin Kavik has done, you see that sometimes the the tarot card and the old decanic images are kind of diametrically opposed, totally different, you know something there will be something extremely macabre and dark um yeah, some do, do you text. know the
0: pikatrix one for this one
1: <laughs> uh does it involve blood i don't know <laughs> it,
0: it involves like i i don't know just i, I laugh at it because it's kind of like the dirtiest uh decan description oh right stuff. it's like the donkey show or something like that like i was getting a chuckle out of it when i was doing my webinar because it was talking about a woman being mounted by a donkey or something like that. <laughs> like it was, it was really like, Randy. Um,
1: well, the Pikachu's is not a low key book. No, To say not. that. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, so I think this, uh, this deck and this card illustrates that more than most for me, and it, and it left a big impression on me when I first learned about it, um, because there's this idea with pisces 3 of going for the dream and giving it all you've got and if to me it feels like the story there is about like a huge risk and a huge gamble yeah um and there could be total fulfillment or total despair uh waiting for you at the end and and you you can't really know and i think that's the the mars quality of that you pointed out of um you know fighting for something essentially right. um so that's when i look at the card that's what i see i see like yeah that's possible <laughs> that you know yeah. this glorious vision rainbow in the sky mm-hmm. is possible but also what do you sacrifice in hoping to attain that and what does that what does that do to you um
0: 100 percent
1: uh so and you know i i I know some people with um, with placements here, and I've seen that play out in in real life in a very dramatic fashion.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, uh, we we have some some uh, some Piscean uh, kin. <laughs> you know, at least I do. So yeah. I've I've seen that play out in my own experience. Although my dad is a Pisces deck in one, so he's wandering off into the labyrinth of his mind a lot of the times. <laughs> um, but my mom has a Pisces moon um in in the third decan of Pisces and I've seen her you know go to great lengths to achieve her ideals at various points in her life. So um yeah it's it, it is definitely it's a du- a dual-edged sword on some level because like you were saying it's not just the happy ending. There are tragic conclusions as well. Um, not every dream manifests the way that we hope it will. And I think that we're trying to reconcile those two right now, but, you know, I like what you're saying about, you know, sacrifice for the dream. You know, Austin talks a lot about no half measures in this decan. Um, and I'm kind of thinking of like a, like a religious crusade or crusaders energy where it's like, we believe in this so strongly, we're willing to die for our dream and for our vision.
1: Right. Yeah
0: just heavy. And that's, that's heavy energy.
1: Very um, heavy. And I, I have to, and you know, it's something that we're currently seeing right. um, in a really profound way also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In our current events, we definitely have um, stories of heroism, but also stories of zealotry where I think that what it boils down to, and I I've been saying this in regards to this, these placements, Everybody thinks that they're the, the hero of their own story on some level, even when they're very wrong um, when it comes to what is good for the collective. And I, that's something that is, I think, difficult to parse out with humanity because sometimes we we get really attached to a, a specific viewpoint. And when we can't come to an agreement on it, that's when we see some of the most horrific things that can play out. Because I think this, that can... It can be the beautiful dream, but I think also there's like you know visions of genocide that can come from this deck, and also just when people are trying to create uh, this homogenization of culture as well. Hmm. So, uh, heavy, hmm. <laughs> heavy. <laughs>
1: the heavy energy. Um, the uh, the other thing that comes to mind is that with with Pisces three, I think this is my this is my my only. Big and potentially original observation is um, there's that sacrifice and martyrdom mm-hmm. narrative that's kind of built into this deck and in this story, and then there's that vision or dream of the like I said the rainbow in the sky, um, the glorious culmination, and I think part of what's so tricky about that um, is that that may occur that culmination that you desire but inevitably it is kind of a transient state it is Mm -hmm. a temporary state there's no such thing as a permanent rainbow in the sky and this i think is what ties together pisces three and virgo three um so i think that part of what's so tricky about it is that with with the pisces three energy even if you do attain That vision that you're longing for, you're gonna attain it for those moments, and you're gonna have moments of feeling, you know, very you know, Pisces things, universal love, Mm -hmm. and the uh, the brotherhood or sisterhood of man, and um, and completion and total connection. Uh, But that you know, you you may have still sacrificed something in your pursuit of that vision and that dream. And so there's kind of like, you still have to like wake up tomorrow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like yeah. get back to life. Totally. Um, well, and, and you that... might be like, oh shit, now I have this, essentially this huge hangover, <laughs> which is not to say it's inherently like a, like a, like a drugged out, sure. uh, pursuit. Cause it might not be the way that it plays out in your life, but, but there is, you still just have to move on. And so, and I think that's the other part that's really tricky about this is like, um, you put all your chips on this one bet and then, and then you just have to like go about your life.
0: Well, and you, you bring up a good point about transitory nature of reality. I mean, I I think there's, there's nothing more transitory than a rainbow, right? I mean, you're observing this beautiful phenomenon of nature and then literally 15 minutes later, it's gone. So I think that that's that's an important observation that you're making, um, and, and you're you're really anticipating um, some of the other divination that we were pulling today about the I Ching, um, and we'll get into that towards the end of the of the show. But but the I Ching was talking a lot about waking up from a dream and saying, "All right, now we're getting clarity about what the the reality is to make this dream real, right?" And sometimes there is a uh, there's an opposition between what it takes to make it real and what we thought we were getting into, right? Hmm. Uh, and, have, you know, we can see that I always like, like kind of unpacking the sun and full moons as well, because we, what we're seeing is the sun is, is bringing us to a focal point as what we are consciously trying to achieve. And the moon provides the body for it, right? It, it's the body where, that becomes full with that solar light and that solar intention, so I think when we're seeing this moon in Virgo three, that Deccan tends to be more about the end of a material process rather than the end of the, the rainbow or an emotional dream state. And all of the things that go together with the impermanence of material reality, like order versus entropy, um, you know, preservation versus decay. And uh, I, this is um, a place where I think we're we're trying to pass on a legacy to the next generation. Like when material form fails, what remains? What essence is going to remain? So we may. I think we could also see the the, the failure of material forms on some level with this full moon, but which will force us to connect with what is eternal in our dream. What is eternal in the feeling that we're trying to attain through that dream rather than getting attached to what form it's going to take. Does that make sense?
1: It makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe that's the surrender part is surrendering to releasing our expectations about what the form has to be and staying in alignment with the the spiritual essence of it. Um,
1: yeah, maybe we can say more about Virgo three to sort of yeah let's out of let's uh,
0: let's let's break that down and, I, and I've got a question in here about how the full moon is going to relate to the trine with Pluto. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. I have a an outline here. We're kind of jumping around, <laughs> Virgo in Pisces style. <laughs> okay. Um, so so Virgo three, we've got the ten of Pentacles card, where instead of a rainbow and a happy family with with you know, the prospect of youth with little children, we've got um, this old gentleman surrounded by his loyal pets. T. Susan Chang talks about this figure possibly related to Odysseus, uh, which is huh. really interesting about how they it relates to Pisces. Because I, I used Odysseus as a, um, a mythological archetype for Pisces and his wanderings. So mm-hmm. maybe... Virgo three is about actually the, the the coming home process on some level when he arrives home, mm-hmm. but this deck ends Daimon is is Hestia, um, and Hestia is the 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 virgin goddess of the hearth or the home. Um, do you have any thoughts about Hestia?
1: I think I do, but I will, I have to admit actually to be perfectly honest, I find. Hestia's connection to this Deccan, somewhat confusing and and a little bit mystifying. Um, So I'm actually most, and I'm sure that it will come alive for me as we're talking a little more, but I'm mostly curious to hear your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, Hestia is an interesting character and myth. Um, You know, you could call her the keeper of the sacred flame, which, you know, she was responsible for keeping this flame that was in the center of the city alive. Like we had, you know, in Rome, it was most particular to Rome where you had the Vestal Virgins that were protecting the city's flame. Right. So there's there's two ways to think about it. There's the, the city flame that is the protective spiritual essence of the entire community. But then there's also the flame that people had in their own homes and then their own altar spaces that they would pray to Hestia first to be a protector of the home. Hestia also was about building homes and like homemaking and things of that nature. So I think that when I look at Hestia, t- to me what I draw out of that is is that, you know, with Third Decan of Virgo, it's really about, they, they call it wealth in Book T and Book of Toth. So it's about what are we passing on as a legacy to the next generation when the, the process that we've come to is, is ending. So think about Virgo as the ending of the harvest season. And now we've done all the hard work to harvest what needs to stay and return what is needs to be returned to the earth, back to the earth. Right. And, and, and kind of like, you know, getting in touch with that abundance. But, but I think that also it's really about the, the flame represents the spiritual essence that continues to burn even when we're passing on, you know, from old forms into new forms.
1: Yeah. It was like, once I stopped talking and you started talking, you said like two sentences and I was like, Oh, right. No, it's that. (laughs) thing you were just talking about um, that sense of legacy or inheritance when the material form is no longer there, what remains and like what remains is the sacred flame within that. So it, it does, it does really make sense in that way.
0: Well, I, I do a prayer to Hestia every morning now. I, I, I My sort of spiritual practice in the morning involves doing an altar practice for each deity of the day, but I've started including Hestia in kind of this, you know, maybe Hellenistic um, spiritual practice and, and giving them, um, you know, I don't know, honor first. And I when I ask Hestia for, for help, I always ask to be able to pass on sacred wisdom, you know, to be able to keep sacred wisdom alive. Like when I do these live streams, Hestia is something, someone or some deity that I would invoke to be able to make sure that what I'm passing on has value and being able to also protect the home and keep it a, a sacred sanctuary or a sacred place. Um, and that's really important to me as a, I don't know, as a cancerian. Like my home is my sanctuary type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's something what we're looking at here too. The other thing I would say with with Virgo three, Jared, is that that you know, I I have two malefics in this decan. I have Saturn and Mars in this decan, and the lessons that it's brought me have been about coming to terms with. Yeah the impermanence of the body itself, you know, like, like I've had some experiences with my family where they had some really challenging health challenges where I had to not get fixated on their form and try to connect with their essence, even when their form was failing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And um, so, so that's been a real huge uh, lived experience for me. Um, and I think that the other thing that I would say about Saturn and Mars there, um, I tend to believe that Saturn provides the blueprint in our life that we are utilizing Jupiter as the demiurge to create from. So one of the techniques like I do in my readings is I will look at your Saturn and then I will say, what is Jupiter? How is Jupiter trying to bring that blueprint into existence? So for me, with Saturn in Virgo 3, I would say, I'm trying to pass on sacred wisdom to the next generation. But with my Jupiter in the first deck of Virgo, I need to do it in a way where I'm a continuous student, where I'm continually learning and taking in information and sharing information like the Eight of Pentacles would suggest. Does, does that make sense?
1: I can't remember the Eight of Pentacles right now. but Yeah, Eight of
0: Pentacles is that little, um, that figure that's like, you know, a craftsman sitting at his bench, you know, making all these different um, pentacles, and th- they would call him the the apprentice of an advanced age. You that know, one, yeah, just working really I hard. I can't remember
1: how many pentacles there were on this card. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Right>? <laughs> and uh, I always think of myself as an eternal student, so I I, I see yeah. myself as that. I know. mean
1: that that card, that eight of pentacles. Okay, so that's the Virgo one card. Yeah, Virgo one. Yeah. It's very Virgo. That's my, which is my ascendant Virgo one. Yeah, definitely eternal student. Yeah, that. Um, Yeah, for me with, um, so this full moon is going to be right on my Venus. Yeah. Which is, you know, one degree away from from uh, Venus's maximum fall. Yeah. Um, which is somewhat ironic because in one of the two systems of Decanic rulership, Venus rules this Deccan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have I have Venus there and I and then I have Mars a little earlier in the Deccan. Yeah. Um, so I also have a lot of lived experience with the the, the lessons of Virgo three, the stories of Virgo three. And for me, um, I think you know Venus draws more attention for me and when i'm thinking about the deccan Mm -hmm. um it is it's it's very easy to see perfectionism here with venus and virgo obviously but but what the deccan brings in is this sense of what do you make what do you do what do you find beautiful how do you kind of approach venusian things if you're always carrying this awareness of the inevitable decay of everything you hold um it's heavy it's
0: it's heavy energy it's 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 very heavy uh i've
1: lived that heaviness um and i feel like i have really just kind of gotten accustomed to it and it's it's like by carrying around that awareness you are confronted with a sort of thematic mortality yeah at all times which While not, which is not helpful if your goal is to, you know, have, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's not helpful if your goal is to be carefree, I suppose. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. There's, I I would say to
1: get lost in the moment, unless you, unless you're getting lost in the moment in a more transcendent way where you're like with, with this, really significant acceptance of the fact that it's temporary and transitory um
0: well isn't it fascinating that that we have both of those themes in the opposing decans yeah of transitoriness and one one is of the transitory nature of the body and the other maybe the transitory nature of even like us an ideal you know like maybe our ideals are changing as well um you know the,
1: and I mean, the, this is actually going to be true, I think, for the third decan of Sagittarius and the third decan of Gemini, that those third decans of the mutable signs are really about endings. Yeah. Um, because the mutable signs are themselves transitory. They're about getting going from one state to another, how you kind of traverse that journey. Um, so the third decan... You know the imagery of these of the third decans of these mutable signs is often very dark and i think it's <laughs> because it's about endings yeah um well doesn't doesn't ending. austin call
0: this one the sarcophagus for virgo three yeah.
1: for here we got i think we got sarcophagus for virgo three yeah. and what is it a like a cup of blood or something yeah, a
0: cup of blood for virgo th- or for <laughs> pisces, 3. pisces yeah Yep. And we have the Executioner's sword for Gemini three, uh, and then um, what did he call? Oh, uh, a horse's skull. A horse's Horse, skull. Sagittarius
1: three. Very chill. Right? Now, I think we should remember that we are working with the names assigned by Austin, mm-hmm. who is himself a very macabre individual. Sure. Yeah. So we <laughs> we don't sure. we don't need to describe him godlike naming power, but we. Uh, <laughs> but we can enjoy the thematic resonance Yeah. Um, even if universally his take on this stuff leans a little goth
0: yeah that's true <laughs> yeah and we'll try to we, we will try to bring things full circle for all of you here today too one of the things that i really aspire to on this channel is to is not to scare people but to be realistic about the things that we're experiencing but then also hopefully bring us to a place of centeredness where we can at least have some kind of, um, you know, ways that we can try to deal with whatever we're experiencing, whether it's through acceptance or through uh, initiating change. And I think that different things are going to require different circumstances. I do, I do feel with this full moon that there is a more of a allow the process to happen type of energy with this rather than having to force your will on something. I, I don't think forcing your will is gonna work this time around. Um, the animal that we pulled reflects that as well. We'll, we'll get to that, but we got the, the jellyfish for the, the animal of the of the moon here, which really talks about going with the flow and surrendering to the currents of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see.
1: One thing I will just add, in, in defense of Austin's goth aesthetics, sure. if you look at the source material, it's pretty dark. It's pretty, it's pretty goth. <laughs> yeah, so.
0: the, the Latin Picatrix is, is not you know, bedtime stories unless you want. Even nightmares. like the
1: Ibn Ezra stuff yeah. uh, leans pretty crazy. You know? <laughs> That's true.
0: That's true. Uh, Jared, I'm going to check in on the chat box here and yeah. see what we've got with people coming in. We've got a few more people joining us. We've got Craig joining us from Iowa. Hello, my friend. Raven is here from Kansas. Welcome, Raven. Um, We've got spirit throw me a bone live exclamation point joining us from Northern Virginia. I think Uh, Lisa Newcomb is joining us from uh, upstate New York and um, we've got Cookerzilla asking us about the Virgo full moon trining Pluto. So we'll, we'll, I haven't forgotten about that question. We'll get to that in a second. Lisa's talking about actively choosing faith and taking on action in your ideals. I like that. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got Henry Harrison joining us from Kentucky. Um, And another person commenting, they have Mars at 28 Pisces. Oh, this is gonna be right on your Mars. I have Mars at 28 Virgo, so the moon's gonna be right on my Mars. So so Jared and I are gonna be experiencing this firsthand. Um, And then Spirit Throw Me a Bone is gonna get their chart lit up here. Carol says they have three planets in Virgo three, so you'll feel this one, Carol. Yevgen is here. Welcome, Yevgen. Um, my thoughts and my prayers are with you, my friend, with um, some of the things that are going on in Europe right now. And, um, uh, really, um, I've been thinking about you a lot lately, my friend, Yevgen. uh, Tanya is here from inside the house, um, memento Mori, which can be quite motivating. So I think is, uh, related to our,
1: remind me what that means right now. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe I'm,
0: I'm guessing it's a, a, a death memory to <laughs> <laughs> help us out, Tanya. Like I, I, don't know my Latin that well, but you know, it, it feels like a, uh, you know, Mori being related to mortality. Yeah. Um,
1: also we got a skull emoji. Yeah. Help. There's a
0: skull emoji. Exactly. Like the knowledge <laughs> of our own death is what I would say that that probably is. Um,
1: reminder of death. Reminder of death. There we go. Yeah. Uh
0: You know, Yevgen says, "My part of spirit is is in my twelfth house, Virgo, twenty seventh degree. All of my Ukrainian family stuck in Ukraine under Russian fire. The illumination in the house of enemies. Goodbye to my dream to bring my family to the United States. Man, that's heavy, Yevgen. Um, like I said, our 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 thoughts, our prayers, our well wishing, um, trying to put intentions towards peace. Uh, it, it's it is a reality check when we have." folks from around the world joining us and having a a direct experience of some of these things that are going on. And I just, I just hope for for your sake and your family's sake that something peaceful gets resolved over there. And like I said, I've been thinking about you a lot lately and uh, sometimes, you know, thinking about these things, there's a little bit of helplessness, I think that comes into play that I, I start to feel. Um, so I don't know if I have the right comforting words for you, but we're definitely, um, with you in in spirit yeah. as much as we can be. Uh, Raven says, I have Saturn in the third decade of Pisces, Mars in the third decade of Virgo, and Mercury in the third decade of Gemini. <laughs> oh no, Raven. Oh my goodness. It, it says, I'm laughing so hard at the names. Well, Raven, I'm sure that your chart's getting blasted with this, with this full moon. Um, and I, I hope that you're able to navigate these waters gracefully as well. Um, Remco is joining us from the Netherlands welcome Remco it's good to see you as well listening in while cooking I hope that your cooking is going well Remco Uh, we've got people are commenting on their placements in Gemini uh, three and the third decans of mutable signs those are tough placements Um, I'm sure that every one of us that has some planets in those placements really has to come to terms with endings and changes on some level and that's one one of the hardest things that you can um, have to deal with as a human being is really f- facing change i think sometimes um, okay yeah Lisa's sending sending prayers and safe for safety and peace to yevgen as well and, and your family i think that's a sentiment that's echoed by everybody here um okay Jared should we yeah. move forward we we got to get back to um, uh, cookerzilla's question here so Cookerzilla was asking us about the trine to yeah. Pluto at 27 degrees of Capricorn. What are you, what are you thinking about the, the contact with the moon and Pluto here?
1: I guess having struggled to come up with a thought until this very moment, mm-hmm. um, the thing that is coming to my mind is sometimes, sometimes with astrology, when you have multiple, Factors in a chart which are suggesting similar themes—it's a helpful way to sort of um, filter the the various possibilities. Um, and so, what's coming up for me is that Pluto, while not always being about, uh, and usually not being about literal death in a chart, you know, because that would be more of a Saturn thing, etc. Pluto, I think, has a natural resonance, if not a technical resonance, with some of the things we've been talking about about Virgo three and you know this deck in which Austin has given the lovely name the sarcophagus. Right. Um, and uh, as much as I always try to find a better way, a, a, a or a different word, um, you know that we're talking about transient states we're talking about death and mortality on a symbolic level the passing away of material form um and it's and it's change or transformation into into other states and so to know that there is this this very powerful assist from from pluto which Mm -hmm. is a which is you know a celestial body which is tied into those very themes um i think you know the two pieces to look at are you know how does this change the manifestation of the full moon and in you know collectively and individually and then also what does it mean for it to be a trine Um, what does it mean to receive support from you know hades (laughs) i mean i
0: think that's important because it is a positive you know flowing aspect yeah and i just wanted to add this into it so if you know, we're not um, giving Austin the the, the final say, on the theme, <laughs> but this book here, T. Susan Chang, 36 Secrets, which is another great decanic um, exploration, calls Virgo 3, Return on Enfleshment. So more about, like, what do you get as the result of your material process, right? <laughs> I
1: like that, actually, because it, it even more, like, fully ties together these two decans that were... Yeah pairing and contrasting um yeah. return because obviously that's a pun return right. on investment return on enfleshment, enfleshment so yeah um where v- pisces 3 has that theme of like of um of greats basically of great sacrifice and then spiritual and emotional fulfillment mm-hmm. um here in in virgo we have I guess a similar theme, where the inevitable material sacrifice and sort of the the need to discover a spiritual legacy within yeah. that.
0: Yeah, and I think that contact with Pluto, Pluto's in the third decan of Capricorn, and that's the four of pentacles decan, where we're talking about the throne of matter, and really, the, the the gist of that and to me is administration of material power and authority. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's uh, for, for us to be able to get the return on enfleshment, there is probably going to be contact with a powerful bureaucratic structure, potentially. And we may have to change our relationship to power, to authority, to maybe even reveal corruption within that, to be able to transform it and transmute it. I mean, I think Pluto to me, I, I'm, I'm a broken record when I say this, but Pluto is like a plumber to me. It, it's, it's, it's bringing up all the shit that has been pushed down and repressed. Um, it's also related to great wealth. This is why we have that word plutocracy, yeah. which in our current, um, you know, global political climate, a lot of the conflicts we're seeing are because of pl- plutocrats taking over and, you know, the very, very wealthy um, exerting their power upon the, the, you know, the not so wealthy. Um, so I think that there is, an, an, you know, a need to negotiate with power on this on lo- some level as well, or to to root out corruption to be able to to heal those governing structures that we're that 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 you know bring us boundaries and bring us um the ability to manage our lives does that make sense yeah yeah so i i don't think that this is going to be a uh, light-hearted full moon i think when you bring pluto into any um lunation there's an intensity, an intensification that's added to things. There's a a, a danger of uh, utilizing power in ways that could be manipulative as well. That's one of the dark sides of Pluto. Um, there are themes with Pluto of abduction in the myth, in the mythological stories. So, uh, I, I always like to deal with Pluto in a way that says, "Let me get clear on what it is that has been." ignored for a long period of time? And how can we utilize our sense of change? You know, Jared, I wanted to toss this out to you because I I feel like you'd have some interesting thoughts on this. One of my favorite ways of looking at the outer planets is through Robert Schmidt from Project Hindsight. And he talks about Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto as transcendental sun for Uranus, transcendental moon for Neptune, and then transcendental mercury for pluto which is creating the mixture and the out a-, a chemical change between the one mind and the one thing does that does that make sense what do you we think about that does that <laughs> resonate with you
1: the one thing
0: yeah Have, are you familiar with that hermetic concept i'm not so the in hermeticism they they think about uh, the collective, maybe even the collective consciousness, I wouldn't even call it the collective unconscious, the collective consciousness as the one mind mm-hmm. and the one mind acts upon the one thing which is related to universal substance, which we could call Neptune, right? And then wow. the, the blending of those two things, it potentially could be reflected in Pluto, um, you know, being able to figure out the process of change uh Ann Ortley who's a, another a Virgo astrologer talks about Pluto as the you know the process of dissolving the um the the caterpillar into a into a butterfly right but it's the process it's the 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 painful like you know melting of every atom in your body <laughs> like, so that you could reform into something else um yeah. so i
1: feel like with this um with this idea of the one mind and the one thing it's, it's reminding me of the the basic dichotomy of spirit and fortune. Mm-hmm. Is that a, is that a conscious link or is that sort of just something that emerges from antiquity? No, I think
0: that's a, I think that's a really great connection. Yeah. Follow that thread.
1: Um, well, just cause you know, sun, be- you know, is belongs to spirit moon belongs to fortune and you're comparing or I mean, I guess Schmidt is comparing Uranus to the sun and Neptune to the moon in this way, although obviously tapping into much grander uh versions of these energies or whatever we'll call them. Yeah. Um so I guess uh this is this really is like a real time just like one of our conversations, except there's a bunch of people listening to us. <laughs> like, Explain this. Tell me more. Because <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm like learning in real time. I'm like trying to it's making me think even about Mercury. I'm like, Okay, so do we see Mercury as a, the mediator between sun and moon? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: or- yeah. exactly. Yeah, we do. I, I do. Yeah, because it's it, it goes between worlds. It's the it's yeah. the deliverer.
1: I, I see Mercury as mediator between everything so yeah exactly um yeah so that um on this much more transcendent level pluto serving that function that's definitely interesting i've never come across that before
0: yeah schmidt is i think one of the the geniuses of uh one of the modern geniuses that of traditional astrology i guess but he was a really original thinker i i really enjoy Listening to him, you can find his lectures online now. I believe you can pay like a nominal monthly fee and have access to all of them. Um, but I really highly recommend his his stuff. Uh, he's really opened my mind to a lot of different things as well. And I learned a lot about Schmidt through my studies with a babadas Das at Nightlight Astrology, and also you know Chris Brennan turned me on to a lot of his work as well. So, all right, should we move forward? I hope Cookerzilla that that brought. Pluto uh, into the equation in a satisfactory fashion. Um, let's move forward to one of the, you know, some of the other astrology that's happening concurrently um, between this full moon and then in between the full moon and the last quarter moon that we'll experience on the 1st of April. The first thing I wanted to kind of bring people's awareness to, and and actually something that I missed in my monthly forecast, because it's not always something I'm looking for, is this uh, Venus here being in its uh, malefic enclosure. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar, malefic enclosure is a condition in Hellenistic or traditional astrology where a planet is enclosed by both Mars and Saturn and there's no other planet making an intervening aspect. So you can see there is no, um, any of the traditional seven planets making an, a, a, an, an aspect to Venus. We've got Mercury, Jupiter, and the sun all in aversion. We've got the moon in aversion here at, you know, because it is in the opposition on the other side of the opposition here, one one house next to it. Um, yes, we have a tra- trine from, or I'm sorry, a square from Uranus, We'll get to that in a second, but for this concept, it doesn't necessarily count as far as breaking up the malefic enclosure. Um, One thing I'll say about this, and then we'll kind of open it up again in a second, is this is going to be activated in your Aquarius house because Venus is at 11 or 12 degrees of Aquarius, but it will be affecting your Libra and Taurus houses as well because Venus is um, having difficulty providing resources for those two topics in your chart um how have you been experiencing this malefic enclosure jared and and what kind of things uh, can you have you do you have as far as reflections on that condition
1: right when you asked right right before you asked that i was like oh yeah well, how is this affecting me and i actually have no idea <laughs> so it's <laughs> This, I've not been able to trace any, um, just to be honest, I have not been able to trace any direct effects in my life as far as I can tell. Um, but it, it's moving through my sixth house. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, there's definitely a lot of like drudgery, a lot of, um, a lot of definitely some stuff going on with regard to like health and medicine that I'm exploring, but it's not yeah. It's nothing dire. I'm just, it's more of a problem-solving situation. Um, uh, but I definitely think that there's a lot of collective and general, you know, um, manifestations of Venus that are going to be affected by this, that are affected by this, or at least that, that are described by this, right. um, um, I almost, I, f- I tread lightly here, and I almost don't even want to bring this up, but, you know, using the word besiegement, mm-hmm. um, this is this is not true probably every time a planet is besieged like this, but I feel like we've been seeing, um, tra- you know, tracing this kind of ongoing mer- uh, Mars-Venus conjunction that was previously in Capricorn and now in Aquarius has mm-hmm. You know, it has lined up with events in the world, events in Europe and, and some of the um, some of what's gone on there. And I guess I just can't help but notice that, like, you know, we have this very medieval what feels like a medieval term besiegement um, and
0: a literal they're... representation of it basically. And out. we have
1: a literal representation yeah. of it, this 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 whole like strategy of the siege playing out in real time
0: well and also like, you know the venus as peacemaker being in a very tight spot where yeah, it's almost really, like yeah,
1: you can't ahead. you can't lead with venus right now yeah. it's just not an option yeah because not when you're not when venus is caught between a rock and a hard place yeah there's I just like you can't that's not the um you can hope for the best well, I think people, what I think what see, world but,
0: leaders are trying to parse out is how do we resolve the situation without escalating it into something catastrophic, right? Yeah. And that's that feels like Venus in in a malefic enclosure right now, like this difficulty acting on a, a big level towards Venus's ends. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting to be able to live through these periods of time i mean interesting but i mean it's kind of like it's pretty nerve-wracking and horrifying um but i I am glad very
1: horrifying to witness and and there's a lot of helplessness i mean there's there are things that can be done and there are things that are being done that can happen yeah Uh, but in the meantime i do think that diplomacy is really is really trapped and caught in the crossfire because You know, you have to, I don't know. (laughs) know.
0: Well, I will say this, Jared, one of the gifts of studying astrology is seeing when this condition actually would arise, but also when it changes and when it would end. So the good news with this is that on the 28th of March, Venus will exit its malefic enclosure as it makes a conjunction with Saturn. So, you know, to me, that could be one moment where we start to see some movement in the situations that we're working through, I will also point out, and this is getting a little bit farther ahead, but Jupiter Neptune is is going to be Jupiter and Neptune are going to be conjoining in the third decan of Pisces around April the eleventh or twelfth. And in some of the studies I've been doing recently, especially through this book, Planetary Cycles in Mundane Astrology, Andre by Andre Bourbeau, a French astrologer, he talks about a peace treaties uh, being a, a, a pretty, um, a pattern with Jupiter, and Neptune, and especially when Jupiter is well-dignified like we had the, the, treaty of Versailles, uh, which ended a, another European conflict. Um, we had the, the formation of the league of nations with a Jupiter, Neptune conjunction, um, you know, m- many instances with changes in regards to various, um, factions coming together for peace. So that gives me some hope as an astrologer. So I will throw that out there. It's not it's not a guarantee that that's the way it's going to play out. But that could be a possibility based on, you know, what we're seeing in in the chart here.
1: It's also worth noting and and uh, kind of well, whatever. It's worth noting that after Venus exits this really kind of difficult um, situation, Venus then moves into Pisces, right. where it's co-present with Jupiter. It's in its exaltation. Um, there's a, it's there's a huge shift coming for the planet Venus, and probably a huge relief. I don't mean for every person on Earth, but yeah. I mean the sort of the general weather mm-hmm. is going to shift uh, pretty dramatically. And then you know, I, I guess there's things we want to say about all this. Uh, you're obviously going to do another forecast for the time period that we're kind of getting into but it is i think what what's coming up for me is that there's that moment of the uh jupiter neptune conjunction with this sort of with these historical um uh what's the word i'm looking for whatever evidence evidence of historical evidence that it has has to do with peace and peace treaties right simultaneously with the jupiter neptune conjunction is the mars saturn conjunction mm. um, mm-hmm. with saturn in a very powerful place mars in a less powerful place um right and so i can't help but think it sort of feels like without making a you know hard prediction because i obviously don't really know but yeah. it does feel like there's a lot of potential for a breakthrough there's our of, super- of peace yeah.
0: Mars Saturn yeah. conjunction right around April the fourth.
1: Yeah, around the same time. Yeah, uh, and it feels like both a breakthrough for peace, but also new hard lines being drawn that, it, that are sort of like the seed of future conflict. Um, yeah. Because you know, basically, the you know the the sa- the cycle between Mars and Saturn. We can look at that moment as mm-hmm. being like the new moon of uh of that relationship which is the relationship between the two malefics and yeah. so i feel like we, i feel like i wouldn't be surprised if if we're gonna see some of these kind of border issues that we've I mean, we've been living with border issues since the last mars saturn conjunction right you know all globally borders shut down all over the world and then we've been sort of gradually figuring that out and loosening them but now we're, we're seeing sort of the beginnings of what feels like a new phase of where like the openness that we've taken for granted for a long time between most nations in the world you know that you could freely travel and all this stuff mm-hmm. you know i wouldn't be surprised if we have a breakthrough uh whether temporary or or more significant than that a breakthrough for for peace or a ceasefire or something but simultaneously a new reality of our shared you know collective circumstances and our global um sort of yeah our experience of of separations and borders and we
0: seem to have two camps that have been developing over the course of this you know one being based on authoritarianism and the other maybe on a slightly more liberal universal type of experience and i think that you know, I I agree with what you're saying. And I I think that one of the things that Andre Bourbeau was pointing out is that it, you know, sometimes we're galvanizing a group that comes together, but it's also othering some other type of philosophy as well. Right. So maybe if there's something
1: hard in response.
0: Yeah. So maybe if something comes together with peace, that's also, you know, galvanizing the, the authoritarian part of the world as well, that maybe. You know creating this maybe a sense of separation also which is, is frustrating um i think that you know it's complicated <laughs>
1: yeah i mean i guess part of what i'm getting at to be very to be more blunt yeah, about it sure. is like if we look at the incredibly severe um actions that have been taken to isolate russia yeah i find it hard to believe that a ceasefire is going to also roll back all those actions and also a lot of the a lot of the economic sanctions have yet to really play out, right? And so there's been such a huge like crackdown in Russia on media and dissidents and protesters and all this stuff. Yeah. That feels like a potentially permanent and not to not to freak people out if anybody's, you know, listening in Russia, but it feels like common sense to say that I don't think Putin's going to be like, "Okay, great. If this situation ends, he's going to be like happy to restore the liberties of of people yeah. living there and it's, so there's it's a bad it situation
0: like the... for the the citizens of russia as well as you know the citizens of ukraine it's not apples to apples 100 but you know there are when you have people who are abusing power a lot of the times it's just the the regular people that are it's having to suffer from that you know and, and i think that there's definitely collateral damage for the the people of russia as well and i I have compassion. I do have compassion for those folks that are just trying to live their regular lives and well, have to they don't live. have a voice, right? They don't have a voice Government. Being oppressed. Um, you know, there, there's an authoritarian regime that started to take over and dictate what, what will or won't happen, what is allowed to be said or not said. And that's a big problem. That's a big humanitarian crisis as well. So I, I agree that um, there isn't an easy answer to this. And it, that's that's why I feel like the, the malefic enclosure of Venus. I do I do think really reflects this problem because we're trying to bring unity, we're trying to harmonize things, we're trying to bring balance, and it's just not um, it's not easy right now. There, there's not a, a clear path towards it at the moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's sad. I'm 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 I don't know. It's it, there's not there's not words you
1: negotiate we... when somebody is in the middle of attacking you yeah you know, yeah you have to have different. a ceasefire first right and then you can go because you're what are you negotiating about <laughs> what are right. you right why would you give anything away if oh, you're being man. actively attacked you know so 100 percent. but i i guess i just it it feels like there's um some hardening of of these new divisions yeah even even as we may have have you know new opportunities to to solve, resolve certain problems.
0: I think that's something to be hyper aware of as we move forward is how are we dealing with the, you know, preventing this type of thing from happening in the future, right? Like what, what are we, what steps are we taking to, you know, facilitate actual peace moving forward versus like you know, this thing rising up and happening again? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I will point out at this moment that we're talking about is that, both Mars and Saturn are at the bending of the no, the nodes of the note of the moon, which are pivotal turning points, you know, so we, we've had all of the planets, you know, recently that have been going through Aquarius going through this, this time period of the bending of the nodes, Venus will hit the bending of the nodes, the North bending on the 30th of, of March. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we have Mars moving through that place as well. It, it, to me, this is a, p- a point where it's like, okay, we're moving towards something, a different reality. We're leaving the past behind, embracing the future. Um, in our own personal lives as well, we may be having some really important choices that we have to make in, to, to to move our lives forward. I, I just don't think that we're going to be able to just stay where we are physically or mentally or emotionally there there's some kind of change or movement that is coming in the next few months ahead that may also coincide with the the eclipses that are happening at the end of april as well yeah a lot i mean i know i'm going through Take this in my personal life too with family and, and <laughs> certain situations and transitions with a kid going to college and uh, other factors and i definitely feel the the weight of um a life-changing weight of what's happening in, in in our own personal life and it's also reflected in our collective as well all right jared <laughs> it's, it's such a heavy time
1: <laughs> i also I, I take responsibility for my the heaviness of my uh my perspective and um <laughs> yeah, my okay. mind but i do you have know, a mercury-pluto conjunction
0: well and i'll tell you what one of the things that i I like about talking with you, and I think another thing to point out about Virgo three that I think will help us to contextualize this a little bit, too, is that Virgo, Virgo three can sometimes we can be prone to um, some pessimism where Pisces three can be prone sometimes to some naive optimism and hope. So it's trying to balance those two kind of themes also, all right, where we're saying, okay, what is the, uh, how do we remain hopeful when, you know, Pandora's box is unleashing all the ills that humanity experiences, old age, death, war, decay, all of those things, you know, like, because in that Pandora story, you know, hope was, was what remained under the lip of the jar to be able to kind of, you know, bring support to to humanity, and you have a beautiful song about that 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 you were sharing with me earlier today that I've heard before, but it was a great reminder. Um Yeah, can you speak more on the Pandora myth and 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 that part of this story?
1: So I can't remember the the name um, El Elpis or Elpis. I don't know how you mm-hmm. say it, but I believe the the diamond of of the third decan of Pisces. Yeah. Is Elpis, which is not a deity per se, but is the personification of hope, right? Mm-hmm. In in Greek thought, um, and yeah, so the I think there are multiple versions of the Pandora myth, right? I think there might be a version where Pandora is not involved, and like it's Epimetheus, right. um, but the general idea that um, of safeguarding, you know pandora is given this this jar or box to safeguard and told not to open it so of course she opens it mm-hmm. all of as you said all the chaos of the world escapes um and then but what remains within the jar is hope yeah. and um i will without getting into my music i will say that i drew a uh in night when i was looking at this myth and trying to sit with it um I was, you know, in some ways I was kind of mostly struck by this, the misogyny of it. Uh, And in that way, it reminded me of, you know, of Eden and Eve. Um, It feels very similar because it feels like it feels like a a mythic way of um, trying to deal with and integrate um, the sort of like the fall you know, um, the fall from some mythic past of not even perfection, but just, uh, ignorance and lack of awareness. You know, I see, that's what I see in the Pandora myth It's like all that chaos was existed, but it was just in the jar, you know? Yeah. Um, and so anyway, um, one,
0: one addition to that i think that part of the story is that if we if we try to unpack it a little bit psychologically the pandora was sent by zeus to punish humanity for stealing fire right right. for stealing the uh knowledge of their own divinity their own divine origin yeah Um, because that was a big no-no you know prometheus facilitated that by tricking zeus you know giving him the 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 portion of the sacrifice and then you know there's a whole story around it TheoI.com is a great resource for that that story um, but I think that there's something there's, there's a kernel in there that I'm trying to unearth about understanding you know our own divinity our own divine origins but having that be uh, painful um, I think and I, I've said in the past that I'm not another, animal. So I don't know about other animals ability to understand their own mortality. But (laughs) but I do know that we as human beings are aware of our own mortality. And that can be um, if we didn't have this Elpis this hope, it Mm -hmm. would be something that would maybe the end of our species because we'd be like, well, what's the point? (laughs) Why are we even doing this? We're just gonna die. You know, like, and sometimes those feelings can arise with with placements moving through these these Deccans in particular, um, but I do think that, that 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 what is remaining can help get us through those moments. Uh, there's a story in Prometheus Bound um, where it, it, the, part of the a, a variation on that story is that Prometheus gave hope to humanity to be able to get them through, you know, this this knowledge of their own demise or their own death or their own doom. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: yeah, and with. In with this one, you know. Whereas I, I was having a hard time kind of drawing a link between Virgo three and Hestia. This one, it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, Pisces three. I think we've talked a lot about hope. You know, as a as a theme. Um, sometimes it might be uh, misplaced hope, or it might be naive, but it is necessary, right? One hundred percent it's important.
0: And I'm I'm reminded of the cyclical nature of, of being where we start off the world, we start off in the world as as children, maybe having that naive optimism that hasn't been crushed by uh, our knowledge of material rules and reality. And then we, we grow into these adults that uh, are very aware of our limitations often. And then maybe as we age, we're 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 throwing off some of that, that material weight and dross and returning maybe to that childlike state on some level, um, hopefully with lessons learned or some wisdom or whatnot. But, um, yeah, I think that there's always an opportunity to, you know, come to a place of acceptance about what is possible and what, what isn't as well.
1: Yeah. And I feel like, especially cause the, with this, this is a full moon, it's inherently an in opposition. Yeah. And so when you're dealing with oppositions, you have to try to find balance between two opposing sort of archetypes or um or energies. Yeah. It's gotta be a better word. It's <laughs> <But, laughs>
2: uh, your
0: Virgo rising talking. Oh, ah, Scoff.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> so um <laughs> No, I, I think like that it. I think that that's if nothing else, I hope you haven't,
0: that... you haven't said the word portal yet. So that's <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would never. <laughs> uh, I hope that if nothing else, this conversation, if uh, it has provided insight into what even we're dealing with, so that you know we can find an inner balance between these things. Yeah, you know, um, between the Pisces three and the Virgo three.
0: I mean, I think that's the key, right? I think, you know, one of the things that when we have oppositions in the chart, it's it's not always the fact that we are have to, quote unquote, solve it. I think sometimes we just have to hold the duality and the paradox between the two and just accept that we are going to be feel torn in, in a couple different directions. And that's that's just life. Sometimes we don't have to, like, necessarily always reconcile it. Um, and it, that's been something that's
1: been affecting me to draw from music you just got to get those two instruments to sit together in the mix <laughs> that's
0: right <laughs> you yeah. know, maybe you Even got if they're dissonant right
1: maybe you need to eq the reverb a little bit take out some highs yeah. it's yeah. stand it's, it's, it's getting in the way of the other thing so
0: totally <laughs> I, I love that i love this so turn the eq knob of your life uh to get the right only to, to get the right only right. i can
1: EQ my life and <laughs> Even the audio spectrum of my, that my ears are, are, I would love to have a live EQ of my hearing.
0: Well, that might be the real essence of mastery, right? Or mastering, <laughs> right? <laughs> seeing how we can apply these situations and these celestial uh, compositions in all sorts of different circumstances, which is the goal of mastering an album. Is, is it gonna sound good in the car? Is it gonna sound good on your stereo? You know, so how wow. we different, uh, <laughs> you,
1: different you just went there and <laughs> I'm here for it? I haven't. I, right. Right. Look at that. So we need to be
0: our, our own mastering engineers <laughs> and see how we can bring that to our own. Uh, this is a, a totally that was totally, uh, you know, completely musician service for Jared. But it <laughs> was uncalled
1: for. No, it was great, actually. That's um,
0: yeah, I, 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 I you don't really understand how valuable a mastering engineer can be until you hear your your finished album uh, in before and after, you know, it really Absolutely. is remarkable. Yeah. So, okay. So we've got a few comments coming in here. Tanya is is coming from inside the house. Welcome, Tanya. <laughs> it's saying the near future looks like the best times and the worst of times, like some areas are gonna be amazing, Venus and Jupiter, right, because we have a Venus-Jupiter conjunction happening in Pisces, which is amazing. And some others might be like a new chapter of scary problems with Mars and Saturn. Yes, definitely. Um, both at once. We have to hold that duality like the like the mastering um, EQ. And since the benefics don't witness that Mars and Saturn biz at all, it may feel like help is just out of reach or in a little bubble somewhere. I think that's true, Tanya. I think that sometimes we can have really good things happening in some areas of our life and really horrifying things happening in other areas of our life. I've, I've experienced that with Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn all in the same sign. So when I get a monthly perfection, it's like, oh, this really awesome thing is happening. Oh, this, the shittiest thing in the world is happening simultaneously. So um, I feel you on that. Um, Aligning light astrology, Claire is saying, I have placements in the last decade of all the mutable signs and I'm feeling a lot of feelings. Uh, skull emoji. Yeah, I, I imagine um, that is a, a, a difficult place to, to be lit up. Um, if all you have... the
1: mutable signs. Right, all the mutable signs. So you're saying you have a grand cross. Grand
0: in... cross, craziness. So in... pulled in a lot of different directions requiring flexibility, I would say. Um, EK, EK White is here. Hello, hello, EK. Uh, so it's not a musician, but really enjoying this bouncing of wavelengths between artists. Yeah, me too, me too, EK. Uh, you know, this is a it's always fun when I have old friends on the show and you know we're, we're able to kind of get into the hive mind a little bit so we're bringing you know that that musician mind um as well and I think that's honestly and Jared you can probably confirm this but there's a lot of similarities between music and astrology and the the type of consciousness that you have to tap into to to master both of those arts would you would you agree with that
1: Yeah um I think my 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 virgo is standing in the way of just being like yeah totally um i'm like what do you mean no <laughs> right. um i i think that it's not a coincidence that there are a lot of astrologers who are also musicians and have like a whole life that's like oh yeah i was a musician for 20 years and above blah, 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 yeah. you know I, i've met quite a lot of people um with that background. Um, I think that the, co- the, the commonality of consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, isn't, is not easy for me to actually actually identify or articulate though.
0: I, you know, I think it's a right, le- right brain, left brain balancing kind of thing. I think uh, it's a, well, it's
1: like, oh, it's like skill and it's like the, that combination of skill and creativity. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. the, the sort of like, there's the spiritual and um, emotional qualities that are intrinsic to something which is ultimately just sort of like a physical phenomenon.
0: Yeah, 100%. And um, I, I like to compare it to the the midwife and the sculptor. You know, we, we, music is a system that has specific rules that are flexible Okay that are have flexibility based on the different um, I don't know genres that you're working with and astrology's the same way there's different genres of astrology that we're working with with natal horary traditional modern uranian whatever it is um, and I think that the greatest musicians and the greatest astrologers are not uh, completely fixated on either technique or Improvisation. They have a really great balance between the two. Um, for example, when I was a young musician, I had a really great ear, but I rejected wholeheartedly any music theory. I was like, I don't want to learn a system. I don't want to become a musical robot.
1: And That's I really, very Gen X of you. It was yeah. I was <laughs>
0: just I don't. I'm not gonna be be you know surrender the system. I'm a rebel, and I would just hear stuff and and. It helped me develop in in a certain way, but then I realized the limitation of that perspective uh, because I I was having difficulty articulating what I heard in my mind and communicating it to other people. That was the main thing is that I couldn't say, hey, let's do a one, four, five in the key of C and let's make it a major seven, a minor seven and a dominant seven. You know, like that is a very specific sound. And, you know, I, I would try to, <laughs> Jared, when I was first making albums, I was like, it sounds like pink clouds. Can you give me the pink cloud sound? <laughs>
1: like, so they were like, you're not Joni Mitchell. Yeah, right. Not, so, I'm not taking this from you. Specifically, Tell me what chord. <laughs> somebody,
0: I want it to sound like pink clouds. And I think what I really wanted was a major seventh. And, um, you know, so, so it's the same with astrology. It, it, it's by being able to have a shared language, we're able to communicate some of these things in, in different ways through different archetypes and stories and different systems. And it, it is about the balance between technique and then that oracular space that you're creating, like almost like forgetting the technique in the moment, not forgetting it, but, but utilizing yeah. it as instinct, Make it, having yeah. it become instinct through practice.
1: Right? Yeah, eventually it becomes expert intuition. Yes, which, where you've you've done something enough times that it's just there. Well, it feels like intuition, but actually it's skill.
0: Skill, yeah. There's a book that I like. I wonder if you've read this book. Um, it's called Effortless Mastery by Kenny Werner, who was a jazz piano player, and he talks hmm. about that yeah, specific. Yeah, it's an amazing book. I I don't have it anymore because I keep giving it to uh, (laughs) guitar students (laughs) over the years. Uh, I keep buying it and then giving it away because it's it's really about that balance between, um, you know, practicing your technique as much as you can and then letting it become, you know, an an instinct.
1: Which, let me just say, is very much a Mercury... Jupiter conversation
0: 100%. Right. Yeah. And that's <laughs> which is extremely important out.
1: for yeah. this whole this whole dialogue, you know, yeah. Pisces Virgo. Um and in this case, you know, with this full moon, Jupiter is really holding the cards. Yep.
0: Which which is more about the intuitive understanding yeah. and more about the surrender rather than the rational conscious you know, technique, which makes me
1: think that this, like part of like this full moon is like about having faith in your skill, having faith that you, the mercury is, it's almost like, uh, it's like the force or the Schwartz, (laughs) uh, depending (laughs) on whether you're a star Wars or Spaceballs fan. Um, it's like the Schwartz is within you. Um, well, you know what Jared,
0: you know what it is? It's, it's, it's Luke having the helmet put on him uh, when he's going through that like training sequence with Obi-Wan, where he's like, let go your conscious self and trust, trust the force. And he has to, yeah. like, you know, you'll know, fend off the little, uh, laser beams and he finally does it when he just finally let, let's go and isn't yeah. thinking overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good stuff.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's like about, you have to just, you have to trust that you have, learned you know that you have learned what you need to learn because you're not always going to have you know you're not always going to have a dignified mercury at your disposal essentially is what it comes down to
0: well and, and also jared think about this virgo is the process of refinement i think as well mm-hmm. and when we're getting to these final decans it's like you've done everything that you can do there's there's no more refining here's the result of what you've been doing yeah. right the yeah. end result so yeah, there's That's there's no
1: the acceptance factor. Oh god,
0: 100%. Okay. And I'll tell you, that perfectionism thing you were bringing in earlier, that was really the bane of my existence as a as an artist, as a young artist. I used to erase holes in the pages of things that I would be drawing because I wanted it to be real. I wanted it to be a, a reflection of reality, not like an artistic license. I was like it has to look exactly photorealistic or I'm going to erase a hole in the paper <laughs> <You know? laughs> that was young spencer dealing with his virgo three, <laughs> where you can almost destroy something through your perfectionism right
1: yeah um let's say that's a mars in virgo three yeah um, uh, pitfall
0: 100 percent so Michael Polson is here and saying, I love the production analogies, a, a mastering engineer from, from North Carolina over here, raising their hands. It's <laughs> <That's> cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Excellent. Um, Claire is saying that they, I'm a musician, artist, dancer person as well. And I think a link with Astro is creativity. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's all sorts of different creative uh, you know, mediums that this same type of uh, idea that we're discussing would apply to 100%. Raven says skill and intuition, the ability to learn something foundationally, and then add your own flair. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Being able to kind of get into your learn your techniques, and then let your expression of self come through with that. I know that that was when I was a young musician. uh, mimicry was something that that was uh, kind of the first stage. And then you when you absorb and mimic others and do it with multiple artists. Eventually, you you keep what resonates with you and discard some of the things that you might not even be able to do physically, and then it comes out as your own voice as a combination of those things. Uh, Henry says, this is also relatable. Well, thank you, Henry. I'm glad that you are gaining some wisdom from this. Um, Lynn is laughing that, that we're not Joni Mitchell. The <laughs> reason
1: I said that was because this, when Joni Mitchell is, is working on music, she's in the studio, she really does talk to, maybe you already know this, but just for anybody who doesn't, she really does talk to the musicians she's working with, um, with imagery, like you were saying. Yeah. Like, you know, I want it to sound like pink clouds. And yeah. it it has resulted in some really good albums and she does have a pisces moon so
0: well well there you go
1: you <laughs> have to you give go. her we have to give her that
0: and and you know that method for me was somewhat effective it just was frustrating for me sometimes because some things got lost in translation and i think that if i had had more technical knowledge to be able to describe what i was thinking it just would have gone quicker i think sometimes we get say. we get to the Place that we're going, but it just takes a long time. Does that make sense?
1: Totally. Yeah, I think it's frustrating for her too. I mean, she yeah. uh, never really studied um, music in a, in a particularly technical way, but she obviously is a musical genius and has right. a an incredible ear for things. Um, and I think that what what was what's in her biography. What was really hard for her was the way that it both impacted. It was an obstacle for her autonomy, but it also, I think, was part of her drive um, to have autonomy. It was because it was because she had that obstacle, it made her want it all the more. Right. Um, so anyway, I'm just talking about Joni Mitchell now. But
0: well, and that's one of the things I like about your music too is that you are very skilled technically. You you have a, a theory base that is very advanced, and you know you bring jazz elements into what you do. But also you're a great improviser as well and bringing in, you know, a lot of soul into what you do in your work. Um, and you know, another person that really reflects this, uh, regardless of what I think about his personal choices is, is Michael Jackson. Like he had a, a Virgo sun and a Pisces moon. So he was born in sort of the opposite full moon where he was, you know, almost forced into like the, the militant practice and technique but also was able to tap into some kind of um ethereal creativity that made him a very formidable artist um albeit a, a tr- troubled individual yeah you know so
1: you know just for the record i yeah. used to be the no matter what i've learned like music theory wise i didn't go to school for it and i i i mostly learned by just throwing myself in situations where i was ill-equipped and i was always the guy in the band that like didn't know the like whatever like the sharp four (laughs) like the you know e-flat major seven sharp four add nine voicing on guitar and everybody else was like huh you don't even know so it's all relative
0: what was that what was your guitar's name greg is that his name am i remembering this (laughs) (laughs)
1: we'll just say that (laughs) just
0: Just some inside inside musician memories but a great guitarist um but also probably a a technical (laughs) guy on some level too
1: well I was just I was just very much left in the dust in those days that's I had to catch up um but you guys still
0: created some really amazing music I was listening to the radio this morning and um I had a really fond memory of a cover that you did with your band a few years ago. I don't know if you want to share the name of your band, but a um, cover of Purple Rain that you did at a at a um, a place here in Ann Arbor, I believe it was at the Blind Pig a while ago. And every time I hear Purple Rain in Prince Now, I'm just like, oh man, that reminds me of that kind of <laughs> cover that Jared did. So it was really, really fun.
1: All right, Purple Rain feels very Pisces to me.
0: Oh yeah. He, he And and Prince has a Pisces has moon. A Pisces. So, so that's, that's another, you know, artist that was able to tap into just the stream of the collective unconscious on some level. And just, just the, the mixture of Mercury and Jupiter that we were talking about that, that Michael Jackson and Prince had yeah. those two artists being born roughly two, about two or three months apart mm-hmm. in 1958. So the, they share a lot of chart placements as well, but Prince is the Gemini version and and Michael Jackson was the Virgo version, right? Okay, so let's see if we can move forward here. Hopefully, we haven't completely bored people to death with our our music. Team. I find that
1: I feel like the more off-topic we got, the more comments we've been getting. Yeah, <laughs> I,
0: I, I think so. I think that uh, you know, creativity is something that I think that's really, um, really relevant for this this um, full yeah. moon. So I think that getting into that space of how do we go through the creative process and how do we come to a place of acceptance of when the actual piece of art is done? Right. And 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 an artist will tell you it's never done. But where do do we get to the stopping point? Right. Mm. Where we say this is this is good enough to share with the world. And that may be something that we're um, experiencing here is, is knowing when when to say when. And move on to just the next thing. Not that it's ever completely done, but put it out in the world. Are are you working on any music right now where that theme might be coming up? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) no i'm making i'm making progress all right well cool uh maybe yeah the, 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 i have a
1: joke with some friends that they're like so what are you, this thing you're working on like how far along are you the answer is always 60 percent right, right. until it's done you're like oh no we're, it's, it's coming out next week
0: well j- just just for for reference when i was working on my my ep my four song album a few years ago The engineer, this is a reflection of Virgo three. The engineer, um, literally kicked me out of the mixing room because I was getting so fixated on like choosing the right vocal take out of like six. And like, oh, can you move over this tiny sec? Oh, oh, that, that note's wrong. That he was like, get out of here. (laughs) You're not allowed in here anymore. So, so it was me trying to like rub a hole in the paper of my own album right. and finally yeah. I had to surrender and just allow the process to happen and it ended up turning out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that might be some of the things that we're having to, to um, figure out when we go through here. Uh, Jared, let's talk a little bit about the, well, one of two things. We could go over to the last quarter moon here and start wrapping things up or we could talk a little bit about this, the Sephira potentially. And if we have thoughts on that, just one thing to add to the full moon is that we, we do have a, a Kabbalistic, um, a hermetic Kabbalistic Sephira, which is like an energy center related to the tens and the last decans of the mutable signs, which is called Malkuth. Um, which from my understanding, which is admittedly limited but it's the saphira of manifestation it's related to the earth and the earthly manifestation of you know the tree of life everything's funneling into like the the making this real whether it's the dream or the or the material project um, do you have any thoughts on Malkuth or things to add with that
1: i will say it does feel having you know coming into the conversation i was like eh i don't know but after talking about all this stuff for a while it feels more resonant, um, having really dug into this, uh, dichotomy of material and spiritual, um, you know, my understanding of, well, all my understanding of Kabbalah is that it goes through, you know, it kind of goes in one year out the other. And I, I always feel like I have like momentary glimpses of some kind of knowledge or understanding or awareness. And then it's, it just sort of dissipates, That's true. um, which, uh, so Malkuth, I, I have understood to represent the, it's called the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so it is, it is really like the material plane on which we live what we can see with and here with our eyes and ears right which is nonetheless the sort of recipient of all the other sephirot and everything passes through all these other um spheres of emanation um before coming here or maybe simultaneously with or i don't know metaphysically how that's supposed to work per se but yeah. um
0: yeah, I, it relates. I to, it
1: feels related to Virgo three particularly.
0: Yeah, it feels like the 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 culmination, right, of all processes, of all spiritual processes, of all, you know, all of the different um, spiritual uh, manifestations. Like, like for example, like you know, you've got uh, Gabura, which is related to limitations, being balanced by Chesed, which is limitlessness of loving kindness or something of that nature and you've got those things coming together in the middle sephira of of tiferet which is balance but all of those things are flowing into this um this malkuth which is was for my understanding is not even related to a spiritual center it's all about physical manifestation um and what i find really interesting is that there's different uh occult practitioners that that go different directions on the the tree like either they, they're th- thinking about starting in Malkuth and going up to the a more like almost like a Kundalini going up the, the energy um, tree or like drawing down these spiritual energies to the physical realm. But I think it's actually both. I don't, I don't think it has to be one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. We've got on the screen I have here the last quarter moon on March the 25th which is another sort of turning point within this lunar cycle. We've got the moon at four degrees of Capricorn and the sun at four degrees of Aries. So we we have already moved through our um, spring equinox that's happening roughly on the 19th of March, 19th or 20th there. And I wanted to just touch on this briefly because there's some interesting things that are happening that will, when we're looking at a full moon, we can see what could potentially happen um, or get some themes that could happen as the, the lunar cycle completes. So what I'm looking at here with the square is that we have the, the sun in its exaltation, but the moon in its exile. Right. So we may be feeling, uh, at the first decan of Aries to me is this like, it's a Mars decan, and it's all about separating from the collective to infuse um into a individual point of consciousness right to to create sovereignty is the word that it keeps coming back to me um whereas the moon is in the Deccan of capricorn here is really about the, it's the two of pentacles which is really about balancing the pros and cons of a physical location um so hmm. the the theme like,
1: I wrote is, do I want to set up my castle here?
0: Yeah, exactly. Do, like, where do I want to rule? Like, where do I want to become a, a sovereign, you know, individual? Where's the kingdom going to be located? So, you know, once we get into, you know, the, the, the balance of the dream versus the reality, maybe there's a change that happens and we're really trying to weigh what the next stages are. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out that I think is really fascinating, that's really, I'm really excited about, is as the last quarter moon is manifesting, Jupiter is going to be making its what's called its heliacal rise uh, when it's 15 degrees away from the sun. So this this harkens back to Jupiter's Kazemi moment on May. Or I'm sorry, March the fifth, where we had a. <clears throat> jupiter conjoining with the sun which is a super powerful manifestation portal (laughs) i can't even say it with a straight face i i sort of hate that word i'm sorry i just have a like a it's overused in the metaphysical community although there are certain circumstances where it's appropriate it's not appropriate for every single thing but i do think that in that case i can i'll allow it (laughs) Like like everybody
1: needs my permission.
0: Um, I'm just laughing at my own my own ego here. Uh,
1: well, it's funny because you're using the word in a particular way at a, to refer to a particular moment right. where I actually at least understand what you're getting at. Yeah, I feel like usually if I encounter people talking about portals mm-hmm. uh, in on you know Twitter or whatever, it's just some kind of like absurd like numerog- numerological thing right 100%. where it's extremely unclear it's like portal to where <laughs> what what are you talking it? and to it's always p- just like generally to another like, dimension like, something of high course. As, which itself <laughs> means nothing to me so right but in this case we're talking about the conjoining of the sun and jupiter which sort right. of opens right. something within each of us yeah. And within right. our lives. So it's like there's an opening or there's a doorway. And whereas it's like to Jupiter.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think the other time frame that is it's appropriate to use that word isn't during eclipses. Because I, I do think that eclipses are energy points where the North Node and the South Node w- were thought of as gateways or doorways to birth, death, uh, you know, Alternate dimension type of experiences so I, I think it is appropriate when we're talking about that with an eclipse um, but 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 the what we're looking at on March 25th here is that Jupiter is at nineteen degrees of Pisces with the sun at four degrees of Aries and that fifteen degree of separation is when Mercury, or I'm sorry Jupiter becomes visible once again so all of the manifestation work that we've been doing behind the scenes we may be really starting to see the visible you know, r- real, tangible um, dream starting to manifest. Uh, whether we're successful or not, well, that may, remains to be seen. Um, but I do think this will be a really important point. And there's different astrologers will, they disagree about what the degree of separation is. I use the 15 degree arc of separation that is standardized in Demetra George's book, Astrology and the Authentic Self. But other astrologers, Potentially use 12 degrees, I think, for Jupiter sometimes, too. So a technical you know, detail. But.
1: Is it it is it a, is there a standard of when Jupiter will be like literally visible or is that variable depending on the yeah, time of a, year? That's a
0: good question. And I, I I'm i not sure. Yeah, um, I the one person that I trust with this is an astrologer friend in Australia called named Shu Yap. Um, and she lives out on a farm with, with very little light pollution. And she's told me about the various different distances. I think she talks about Jupiter as 12 degrees. I know that she uses like eight degrees, eight to 10 degrees for Venus, but we're splitting hairs here. (laughs) We're going down the Virgo rabbit holes. But I think that within these few days, Jupiter will be becoming visible. And we're going to be able to see some actual literal manifestations of the things, the seeds that we planted um, at the Jupiter Kazemi on the 5th of March.
1: Especially okay. because it's now going to be a morning star.
0: Yeah, right. As the Jupiter morning star is is a much uh, more comfortable position for Jupiter being of the diurnal sect, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's, that's a hope. Uh, that is a, a condition of hope, I think. That that gives me a little bit of hope with a really powerful Jupiter manifesting here. Yeah. Um just a little bit of just going through a couple days here, and we're getting to the end. Thank you all for hanging with us, those who are going on the deep dive with us here today. Um my show is not for the the short of attention span <laughs> or if it is not, it's, it's a not stop. a tick tock right it's not a tick tock show which <laughs> which uh which is cool i mean I've, I've seen other people recently on social media being like hey you know sometimes to get to the core and essence of something you can't really you can't really describe it on just a 30 second video and there's, there's don't some, say <laughs> so so what i'm seeing here on the 27th is we've got mercury is going to finally move out of it's, uh, you know, fall in exile in Pisces and, and gain some dignity in Aries here, moving towards its Kazemi moment that we'll see on the 2nd of April. <clears throat> so some of the communication may start to flow after Jupiter makes its reveal. And then the, the other thing that we're seeing here on the 28th is that that Venus Saturn conjunction that we were talking about, where this is the the, the, the moment. That Venus gets out of that malefic enclosure that we are talking about, kind of the resolution potentially, and with Venus making a conjunction to Saturn, uh, Saturn always brings some kind of resolution. It castrates things into matter. It brings either the you know a happy ending or a, a challenging ending. It's it's binding us to something. So so some some kind of uh, resolution I think is coming at this moment. Um. The other the last thing I'll say is that that we've got Venus hitting the bo- the the um, the bending of the nodes here a few days later on the 30th, which we briefly touched on. So some kind of transition and choice that is needing to be made related to Venus topics in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I touched on this on my March forecast, so I'm not going to go into too much depth here. You can uh, view that replay on my YouTube channel. Um. And then we'll get to the next new moon on April the 1st. So this is gonna happen at 11 degrees of Aries. So a new that, that is the exaltation decan of the sun. So being able to create your own sovereignty, your own uh, sense of being able to, to guide the own, your own ship of your own life, uh, which I think is a really, I'm really actually looking forward to this new moon. Um, I think it'll be, it'll feel like we have a lot more agency uh, after having to surrender and submit to things that may or may not be in our control um yeah i think that's about what i've got and the, again the the mars saturn conjunction is on the 4th of april and then mars will be at the bending of the nodes on the 5th so choices in the mars ruled area of your life as well all right jared that's what we've got for the astrology let's uh let's talk um Talk animal and I Ching for a minute and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Put a bow on it, let you get back to your uh obsessive mixing. <laughs> Just <mess> with, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that uh Jared and I are both, I think, guilty of, of, of similar perfectionism, but this is why we understand each other as well, <laughs> uh, and have sympathy and compassion <laughs> for our. Person. Oh, it's,
1: I think it's interesting to see your Jupiter in Virgo versus my Venus in Virgo. Right, right. It is pretty different. Because for you, it's, it's, I think, a lot more about um, wanting to make sure you extrapolate on everything that can be extrapolated on. Mm-hmm. For me, I think it's more of a sort of traditional, like, keep keep polishing the thing until you've accidentally polished it. It's enough to dust, you know, <laughs> <Sure. 100%. laughs> at least that's the, that's the pitfall.
0: Yeah. Well, although I mean, you were
1: sharing stories about erasing through your paper. So it's the same, it's the same energy, you know, it's, it's, it really
0: is. And I think that, um, it's, it's funny to see that your, your Virgo energy, because we both have like, you know, de- detrimented or exiled benefics right so we're trying to create something good um but in a way that it that is not normally the way it would that planet would prefer us to do it like in the venus's case it would prefer balance harmony acceptance allowing it to come to us and in jupiter's case it would be more about faith you know and like saying okay i I accept this versus like continuing to Polish the turd. <laughs> you know, like hopefully we haven't created that today. Hopefully we've we've um you know polished a beautiful gemstone for all of you to be able to pass on to your uh descendants over time <laughs> with
1: this wisdom and knowledge. This YouTube video is our legacy. That's
0: right. We'll pass it on for generations to come. So Jared, the uh the hexagram that we got here was number 30, which roughly translates to radiance. Uh, the clinging, fire, brilliance, interdependence, uh, shedding light on things, light enlightenment, and clarity. That's the one I underlined specifically, was getting clear on something. Um, and we have one changing line that says, and I quote, Confused footsteps. If one has respect, no blame. So you and I were talking earlier about waking up from sleep in a dream state, which I think is, is a really... Uh, that really resonates with me with like super heavy Pisces placements. And then we, we have a full moon in Virgo says, oh, oh, Hey, here's, <laughs> here's the reality of this dream that you you've been living in this dream state. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just re- read some of my notes G- groggy in the first morning hours, uh, sorting out possibilities, gaining perspective and clarity before taking action or making progress. Um, the necessity to remain composed and proceed carefully. Pay attention to the details, exclamation point, um, <laughs> because the, you may fudge some details that are actually very important when you're trying to manifest the dream. Um, not like us, where we get maybe fixated on things that potentially aren't important, right, in our in our art. They're important to us, but maybe not to other people.
1: That in was, that moment, just then, there were loud noises on... Both of our ends. Was very weird. <laughs> yeah. Hear cars in the background for you. Yeah, like, a motorcycle I, or something, and then some heavy object dropped.
0: I, I live at a very oh, busy notable. intersection, so you'll hear yeah, various yeah. people. Uh, you know. Yeah. Go, <laughs> Sorry, that would just
1: that just was weird.
0: Um. So so the other thing I was writing down is that you're we we may only be at the beginning of this project or this process or this dream. And it's important to respect the complexities that are involved within it. Sometimes one of the the negative parts of Pisces is potentially spiritually bypassing something that is more complex and trying to just, you know, pass it off as one unified thing when when there are actually different facets of it that we have to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Um, Moving forward with caution, avoiding overwhelm and confusion let yourself wake up a little bit first. You know, you're not gonna go run a marathon the second you jump out of bed. You gotta get your gotta get your coffee or whatever it is, drink a glass of water, you gotta go take a piss, you know, whatever it is that gets you ready for the day. Maybe do some yoga exercise. And hopefully
1: you've been training for months <laughs>
0: <laughs> before you run a marathon.
1: <laughs> not just like, well, I better drink a glass of water at least
0: <laughs> Glass of water if I'm gonna run 26 miles today for the first time ever. <laughs> That's sort of what it feels like in Pisces season. Oh, man. Let's go run the marathon. I'm I because I just believe I can fine. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I wrote down have beginners mind have the humility and openness to be able to, to realize that you might not know everything that you need uh, and, and, and let it come to you. I think this is one of the, the beautiful things about Virgo is saying, hey, I'm willing and, and open to learning more about the process, the humility that, that comes in Virgo, rather than saying, oh, I already know this, I'm, I'm gonna be closed off to this. Um, this is changing to, the, to hexagram 56. So we have this energy of clarity that's gonna help move us towards this condition, 56, the wanderer traveling unsettled tentative uncertain in transition exploring trying new experiences so we may not get the final like result potentially where we say oh everything is resolved now you know Um, we may be just at the another stage of the journey because i don't think that pisces and virgo or any mutable sign is really their strong point isn't um stability right (laughs) i don't think
1: that's that's not necessarily what we're getting to yeah consistency
0: consistency yeah it's it's really about change it's change between the seasons and and being able to get to a turning point so it's really a turning point that we're looking at the thing i wanted to explain about 56 is 56 really there's a story about 56 um that talks about a a king that is trying to move his nomadic kingdom or his tribe or whatever, however they describe it in, in the I Ching to a new location. And he's visiting a foreign land, and he ends up uh, having to adjust to the, the customs and circumstances of this new land. And there's a cautionary tale in there where he ends up dancing for the 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 new king's um wife uh and she like takes an interest in him and the the the, the new king is like very upset about this and and has all of the people that are traveling murdered <laughs> so so th- my advice is this don't do a sexy dance for somebody that you don't know <laughs> or for their partner i'm, I'm looking at you aligning light astrology <laughs> sorry we're, we're wilding here as tanya says uh, and then uh but just sorry i gotta i gotta compose myself once again we're getting to the end of my blood sugar where, where things tend to get punchy that's my weakness Liz, is uh you know you know when i get hungry i get a little bit loopy um blame my taurus moon for that Anyway, uh, help me out here, Jared. What, do we, what, do, what can we do when we're in a strange foreign place and we don't know the customs and the, uh, the new rules uh, associated with that place? What, what do you think we can do to, to uh, navigate Shad that? Head down,
1: place? pay attention. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I think humility... Humility is a good go-to word.
0: Yeah. Humility, pay attention to your circumstances, respect the customs of the new environment and circumstance you find yourself in with beginner's mind because if you try to do things the way that you've always done them, it could lead to conflict because you you are in a vulnerable position as a, a traveler, as a foreigner, as somebody who doesn't necessarily have the the benefit of, uh, familiarity, right? Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's interesting how, how much the, this divination is like tapping into the transitory qualities that have been the topic of this entire conversation.
0: Absolutely. Um, Ephemeral, ephemeral full moon for mm -hmm. sure. And, And with that being said, the animal that we pulled for this full moon is the jellyfish. Um, Jellyfish, many of them don't have brains. So maybe we need to turn our brains off a little bit and just float with the, the current. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to that point. Two <laughs> <Ten> minutes. <clears throat> so I wrote I wrote down stop forcing things, go with the flow, uh, get back to basics, let things happen in their own time, stay calm. Exclamation point. I wanted to be emphatic about staying calm in <laughs> my notes here. Have patience in the process be transparent with your emotions many jellyfish are you know um you can see right through them and so i think that being clear about how you feel about things can help communication being the key and then just aligning with the current floating with the streams of your life and and utilizing the power of acceptance i think can really get you to a good place um I get the jellyfish quite a bit for these live streams. It's, it's an animal that keeps coming up over and over again, along with the camel. I think those two, two animals, uh, the power of acceptance and being prepared, um, and adapting can, can be, um, really great, great guides for us.
1: Yeah. I just thought it was so funny because you shared this, this like page out of this book, this reading for the jellyfish and just like, even just glancing at it, like if you've studied astrology, you glance at it, you're just like, Pisces. I mean, it's like the the number of Pisces keywords that were on this page of this book was like pretty astonishing. Yeah, Um, You know, it's like trusting, um, non-resistant, peaceful, joy, comforting, um, easygoing, go with the flow, flexible uh (laughs) all all of the stuff not to mention you know it's an aquatic animal um
0: well and this is the beauty of doing you know what i call integrative divination is when you pull things from multiple systems oftentimes if you are getting into the correct oracular space you will find the connections between those things and they will affirm each other so this this to me is just an affirmation of of what we've been talking about and Ra- Rachel in the chat is pointing out you can ease but you can easily miss miss a jellyfish and get a nasty sting. So I think that actually reflects the hexagram 56 of saying, "Hey, r- respect the the waters that you're in. You know, you're, if you if you this is your first time in the ocean, you better pay attention if there's a jellyfish around you or you could really run into some trouble.
1: And um, definitely don't do a sexy dance for a jellyfish." Yeah, don't don't do a sexy dance for a jellyfish. Or maybe- <laughs> <laughs> Sting the shit. I out think here. what in more slightly more serious um on a slightly more serious note, uh yeah. it does make me think that, you know, when you're looking at the chart of this full moon, the the whole chart is very reliant on Jupiter in Pisces. Yeah. And so what what this sort of supporting divination provides me is like that extra push that someone like me needs someone who's very Virgo as you know, Virgo rising with multiple planets there a little bit of a nudge, like it's okay. Like Mm -hmm. let yourself lean on the Pisces. Um, Let yourself have some kind of trust and faith and more, more importantly, that flexibility of going with the flow Mm -hmm. Um, that that's what is going to be necessary and needed and help carry you through this moment um yeah that's what i take from that
0: well jared i'll tell you i've been pulling the 10 of cups which is related to pisces 3 multiple times in the last two weeks um oh. which is reminding me to to surrender and release the how you know put <laughs> the intention out there and just release the how and say you know we're co-creating together like and it's, it's important to not feel like we have to <clears throat> be like Hermes stirring the drink every second of the day, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you know, we add too many ingredients and we keep messing with something when it's supposed to simmer, you know, like a stew or a soup, and we can, we can ruin our creation. And, but if we just do what we need to do in the moment and then let the natural process play out, we may have something worth consuming or passing on, or that will be nourishing moving forward. All right, my friend, I think we did it. I think we got to the the end here. Um, this was amazing, Jared. Yeah, really fun, uh, Mercurius George. This is so much fun. I'm so glad that um, I have you to talk to about these things, and that you've embraced the dark side here of <laughs> metaphysical uh you know practitioner. I thought
1: i embraced the shorts, but embracing acc- the schwartz accidentally, accidentally embraced <laughs> the dark side know, wearing dark it calm. might
0: not be the dark side it might actually be the light or whatever <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope so yeah so um but it's and it's my- always great to speak with you um for those of you who are are new to jared's work you can find him at mer- mercuriusgeorge.com m-e-r-c U R I U S com with no O. Thank you. Okay. Um, and again, if you want to support the work that I do here, you can please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, sign up for the Deccans of Aries in the spring bundle. Let's go on a journey together. Support both Jared and I through scheduling a reading. Um, and um be kind and be gentle with yourself over this these next few days and, and weeks ahead. And uh, you know practice your good self-care and get into the flow. Um, we've got some really nice comments coming in, Jared, with people that are enjoying this jellyfish, meditative, <laughs> mesmerizing symbol, um, you know, being able to saying thanks to you and how helpful this was and really appreciate your wisdom. Um, Tanya's talking about Peeps in the Chili Pot, which is a reference to The Good Place. Um, so if you don't know about that, just go check out Cheezy in the Chili. <laughs> You'll get a nice laugh from that um yeah so lots of good compliments for that's a
1: good character to have in mind oh yeah right from the good place
0: did you watch the whole series did you get i have to
1: watch the last season i haven't watched it yet do you but do you know the chili
0: in the chili pot
1: i don't know that um but he's just such a good mental image for like over virgoing and having no faith you know Yep. And he's constantly getting himself in circum in, in situations where if he would like let go everything would work out but because he can't let go. this is how I remember it anyway. Absolutely.
0: Well, the peeps in the chili pot is that he he basically starts not giving a fuck about anything and starts mixing peeps in the chili pot and with his like psychotic break (laughs) whatever it's very
1: funny maybe he Um, goes a little too far he overlearns the the lesson
0: yeah potentially but but yes go go check it out the time you say no spoilers (laughs) sorry i spoiled it anyway um thank you so much everyone that has been here today remember i'll leave you with this thought don't do a sexy dance for a, for a stranger's partner. <laughs> if you're in a strange land, um, and again, be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Um, make sure that you go with the flow, and we'll all get through this together. So, thanks again, Jared. Thank you, everybody in the chat today, and I will see you the next time. Take care, friends.
1: Bye.